Your journey as a Navy family can be exciting and fulfilling. It can also be confusing and stressful. For all your challenges and triumphs, from how to thrive during deployments to navigating TRICARE, Naval Services Family Line has been your go-to resource since 1965. If you're living the Navy life, this podcast is for you. Join us as we discuss ways to navigate this Navy life together and define what it means to be a modern Navy family. Each episode will explore a specific topic about living the Navy lifestyle, introduce great resources, feature a Navy spouse who's rocking our world, or dive into the heart of our Navy traditions. Whether you are just starting out on your Navy journey, at the halfway point, or approaching the end, we know one thing is certain. We We are are better better together. together. Hello, and welcome to Our Navy Life, a podcast where we discuss ways to navigate this Navy life together and define what it means to be a modern Navy family. I am your host, Van Wynn, and we have a special guest today, Annie Payne. Annie is a Navy spouse, mother and stepmother to three, grandmother of two, dog mom of one, a seasoned ombudsman, and life skills educator with Fleet and Family Support Center. I'm so honored to be chatting with Annie today about her story of resilience, highlighting Family Line's core value of compassion with grit. She will be focusing on the I of grit, which stands for inclusivity. Welcome, Annie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. So to start off, um, tell me where you're from and a little bit about your family. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I grew up in Southern Illinois um, until I was a teenager. And then I moved to Kentucky. That's that's where I met my husband. He was already active duty, uh, doing recruiter duty. <clears throat> so uh, I met him in Kentucky in 2000. And we've been together since, you know, a few years later, uh, got married. And then we have, so I, uh, as you mentioned, I have a stepson, Tanner. Uh, he lives in Kentucky with his family, uh, Tabby and their kids, Oakland and Harper. So Eric's Navy career brought us out to Whidbey Island in 2004. We live here with uh, our two daughters, Abby and Emmeline, um, not live with. Abby uh, lives with her husband, Justin, and uh, Emmeline is in high school. So she's still home with us. Um, and then the boss of us all uh, is Harley, our, our German shepherd. <laughs> He's the true one that that runs things around our runs things around our place. Um, so walk us through your um, personal career journey in parallel with the Navy journey that you just shared with us. Sure, yeah. So um, when we moved to Washington, I um, was going to stay home with our our oldest daughter. She was the only one uh, with uh, at home at the time, and uh, I quickly learned that that that. Is life is too hard for me. I can, <laughs> I can't, couldn't keep up. So I wanted to uh, be able to, to work outside the home, um, and, and do something. She was enrolled in preschool and that preschool needed substitutes. Uh, and the education coordinator who I'm, I'm still friends with to this day. And that was a very long time ago. But anyway, she said, that there are studies that show the more involved you are with your child's education, the better that education will be. And so um, I think that day I signed up to be, to be a substitute and um, worked my way into a classroom position. Uh, and, and then, 
moved into the ed- education coordinator, excuse me, uh, position myself at, um, a Washington, a Washington state program for early education. So I worked, uh, at first with children and then with families and then with teachers and families, just, um, helping parents understand a little bit more about how children best learn, learning about children from, from their parents, uh, and just working with teachers to, to really wrap around the whole family. Oh, wow. Uh, I did that for 15 years. And I really loved it. I loved working with children and families. And in that time, I worked with a lot of military families. And I really developed a passion for that. Um, I think that the military lifestyle is has extreme challenges, um, unique challenges. But I also think, you know, we have some of the best opportunities. And um, I just think it is a, a great lifestyle as long as you yeah. are <clears throat> willing to work at it. I, I It really became my passion to work with military families. During my time working at the preschool, I, I became an ombudsman in 2010. And while that's a volunteer position, uh, it it yeah. is, uh, it does involve a lot of work communicating with families with command. And so I was really happy to do that. In fact, I, I really continued straight through for about 12 years as an ombudsman for different commands as my husband changed. And um, that was great. I love, I love working with families. I love hearing back from families that I worked with. And right after the, the COVID pandemic started in 2001, uh, I made the shift and came over to work at Fleeing Family. So um, here I do life skills education. So I teach classes like anger management, communication skills. I work with commands a lot to provide trainings. I really enjoy developing trainings for them if there's something they're looking for that we don't have. So that is uh, a lot more of my, my day to day what's happening now. And, and that's one of my favorite things. So wow, that is I, I love it. an amazing kind of like employment journey, but the consistency or theme from education to where you are now working with fleeing family. Like you said, it's working with different communities, with kids, with families, with the military, uh, with educators in whatever iteration it was and creating kind of this like conversation discussion to help everybody kind of work together um, or how to best, you know, figure out how you can best help if it's the kids or the military families or the command. Um, that That's amazing. And by the way, Nonstop ombudsman for, I mean, over a decade is, I know how hard ombudsmans work. I know how relentless that job is and it's all volunteer. So thank you. Thank you. And a million thank yous. I know your families are so lucky to have you serve as their ombudsman as well. In the context of like Navy life, because, you know, we're, we want to talk about this idea of inclusion today. Um, and you've worked with such a diversity of people and communities. How would you define inclusion and why is it important to needy families? I think so. So my definition of inclusion is really meeting everybody where they're at. If there's if there's something going on, making it accessible and available to for everyone to be able to participate, whether um, it is, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, we just need to, to meet people where they're at and kind of those who have knowledge and experience try to help bring them into the fold and give them some knowledge and experience. I think it's important to Navy families because for one, 
We are at a loss of our support system so, so often, um, whether it's due to a PCS of ours or maybe our, you know, some of our support system is PCSing away. Uh, so many families are away from their families, from their, you know, their parents or siblings. Um, and so I think it's, it's our job to provide a little bit of that, uh, to each other. I also love how your definition of inclusion within the Navy life actually is, it is different than I think what people would generally define inclusion within civilian or the world, right? This idea of diversity of color, faith, gender, whatever, but this idea of inclusion within Navy life, I think you hit it right on is that to make sure that everyone meeting them where they are and giving them what they need. And I think that's something that people don't ever really think about, even if it's not something that they know or they want. And because of your expertise, I think that's why you're able to eloquently define it in such a way that is accessible. I mean, in, in your definition is already inclusive too. So thank you. I feel like I've got, you know, light bulbs going off everywhere. So thank you for that. Of course. I know that you're, you have a ton of stories to share from your breadth of knowledge, but can you share a personal story or experience that demonstrates how you work to promote inclusion in Navy life? I think that being inclusive and just uh, wel- welcoming people uh, is is something that I try to do naturally. I hope that, you know, more people would be able to do that. So when thinking about a specific story, it, it was kind of hard to come up with one, but I did, I did want to talk about one story that, that kind of spans several years. There was an organization here on Woodby Island and really nationwide called Navy Wives Club of America. And they did a wonderful job, uh, providing a giving tree for military children each year. And because of the nature of the work I did at the preschool, we had some families that could utilize that help, some military families. And so I reached out a couple years and would refer families over to them. Well, one year, it was about October, uh, maybe late October, and I hadn't heard from them yet. And so I reached out and finally heard back that the organization had disbanded in our area and they were not going to be able to do the giving tree. I just couldn't, I just couldn't fathom, you know, there may be kids that really needed this support to have, you know, toys under the tree at Christmas. And so I reached out, I definitely did not do it alone. Uh, I reached out to one of my friends, uh, Allie and talked to her. She was a part of a, um, an organization here on base, but also she was a volunteer for Navy Marine Corps Relief Society. And so the two of us uh, spoke with the director, worked really hard to get the program up and running under Navy Marine Corps Relief Society. They did a lot of good work when it was under that umbrella. I have another friend, Debbie, that was involved with the program after Allie was. She did a wonderful job of running it. Um, and then, uh, Another friend, Aisha, who is actually still still running the program, even after it had a shift. Um, so I went to an organization that I'm involved in, the Chief Spouse Association, and uh, asked them to take on the program. And of course, uh, unanimously, we said, yes, let's do this. We don't want kids to do without. Uh, and Aisha, who, again, was involved at Navy Relief Society, has been running the program. I should have looked this up, but uh, for several years since the chief spouses have taken it over, she has it down to a science. Her her garage turns into Santa's workshop every year. I just feel like I have to say, yes, that's the story of where I saw a need and thought we've got to come together and, and do this. Um, but I definitely have to mention the people who do the work and are the boots on the ground um, because it, it's not just me. It is um, it is a huge effort by many other people. 
not only those are the people that are doing the work, but it is to meet, you know, meet families where they're at. If, if we have some military families, for whatever reason, they have some financial difficulties. I mean, you know, it's, it's 2023 and look at how much it costs if you go to the store and buy milk and eggs. So, um, some of us are really, really fortunate to not have to worry about that, but I know some families do. I mean, none of us could just think about kids, you know, being in need at Christmas. And so um, we want to meet those families where they're at and be able to provide. And it, it also gives military families a chance who are um, in a place to be able to donate, whether it is time or gifts or money. Um, it, it also lets those people be included in something that's for our local community, that provides to our local community, kind of you know, for our own, by our own. And um, I just think it's a, a great program that couldn't happen without, you know, the help of many, but it just was really important. And if ever the the Chief Spouses Association cannot do it, I will be beating the door of somewhere else <laughs> to try to get it to continue. This is amazing. There's so much, so much to unpack from this. Okay, first off, from the time when you got involved with the Giving Tree from when the Navy um, Wife's Association um, could no longer support the program and was disbanded. When was that? How many years has it been? Do you know? I would say it was about 10 years ago. Okay, 10 years ago. And then can I just also say, you found out in late October that they did disbanded <laughs> and y'all just put you figured it out somehow and got it ready for that December. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, like I said, not, not all I did was get the people on board. I didn't even honestly do the work. I did help deliver gifts and, um, I had to call one of my friends, Leah, to bring her big car because we had bikes that needed delivered wow. and I couldn't fit it all. My car was packed. In fact, there's a picture of it somewhere um, of my car packed to the gills with gifts to take to take to kids. So it was really just so nice to to deliver things and and parents just be so grateful and appreciative and how much fun the the volunteers had packing things and putting the boxes together and um, just just a great experience for everybody. Yeah. I mean, the plot literally sounds like a Hallmark Christmas movie, so long as there was, like, somebody who fell in love and got married. Um, the, the other thing, as I love, too, is that you talk about, like, meeting people where they are. You, as an individual, helping to kind of move this this effort forward are meeting organizations where they are. You know, maybe Wives Association disbanded, so they weren't able to help. So you're like, well, what's the next organization? Maybe um, Navy Marine Relief Society came in. And then when they weren't ready, you're like, okay, who's the next one? Where can we, who are the communities and uh, and organizations we can meet so they can help our needs? Because this need is ongoing. Um, and the flexibility of, of your awareness to, to work with all these organizations to help that program continue is so admirable. So that that's one. And the second thing that I love is, you know, Grit, I think, I define grit as that kind of persistent, relentless perseverance and commitment towards an end goal over a very long period of time, right? So now we're looking at mm -hmm. the, the giving tree over a 10-year period through three different organizations. I mean, that is the epitome of grit, is working with all these different organizations, drawing in all of these different community members, military families, people in need to get this done and to help families during the holidays, especially if they're, you know, especially they don't have something under the tree. I mean, they're service members and those are their kids and their parents could be deployed. I mean, that is, that is so amazingly admirable. And I just commend you, all of your, 
your colleagues, all of the organizations for doing that for Whidbey Island. Um, and I know there's other stories throughout, but like to you and your organization, like that is so amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and so it also talks about how a Navy family kind of works with other organizations to help support support Navy families. So how can people outside of the military community, like not commands, not fleet and family, how can those kind of organizations or individuals better understand the experience of Navy families and offer their support for inclusion and resilience? Uh, I think the best thing to do is, is to learn about Navy families, to ask questions of people that, you know, if they hear somebody's part of a military family, ask questions about their story. Every person, period, but especially in a military family has a, a story that is worth sharing and worth hearing. Uh, people are, are generally okay to share if, if they feel like they're, you know, somebody's open to listen. And so I think people in our community, <clears throat> you know, the, the Navy brings such a rich diversity to, to a community that it's a part of. And I think sometimes, you know, it may be focused on the, the crowding or people who aren't local or people who are, you know, we're kind of transient. We come and get, we tend to come and go. But I think when community members can ask questions of, of Navy families and military families, they'll really build connections, which is to me, the basis for anything is building relationships and connections. And um, I think that military families can help community members be open to that by being part of the community, whether it is helping out at your kid's school or being part of organizations, shopping locally, you know, military families <clears throat> making themselves part of a community uh, can can also help the community open up. So it goes both ways. It's not just the non-military community, you know, welcoming us with open arms. But like I said, building those relationships and, and getting to learn about each other is, is I think the way to do that. Oh, so beautifully said and not making, and I think you, you imply this in your response is not making assumptions, right? Not assuming that that Navy family is going to move in a day or two or not assuming that those people don't understand or can't empathize with what we as military spouses and kids are going through, but that openness to hear a story and have an open discussion. I agree. It's because, and like the willingness to do so. I remember when I was a young mom, I met another mom and she said to me, Oh, these military families, I don't like these kids in my kid's classroom because they disrupt the continuity of my kid's education. And it just like ripped my heart out of my chest and was like, do you know how hard it is for our kids? And it was that kind of like assumption, I think, that when you hear, it is hard to kind of like, then you kind of want to like close yourself in and just surround yourself with people that maybe do understand how hard it is. But mm -hmm. there are also so many people mm -hmm. that say, hi, how are you? Where are you from? But as long as you embrace the abundance of kindness and openness from others to be inclusive um, mm -hmm. is what kind of keeps us going and lets us give the motivation to dive into the next duty station or like you become an integral part of your community um, as a military family. I, I say this often. There's a, there's a, a thing that gets said to military spouses that, well, you knew what you were getting into. If anybody's ever said that, please don't say that. <laughs> because you know, none of us, when we, you know, we fall in love and we get married, none of us know what we're going into. Whether our spouse is the CEO of a company, they um, are a teacher at a school, or they are a member of the military. I don't think any of us know what we're getting into. We may have some idea that our life is going to be a little bit different. The people who definitely did not sign up for any of this are, are our children. 
I think that again, we, they're kids. I think we all want the best for our kids. And so that may be having, you know, making friends that are local and, you know, they're depending, it doesn't matter what their parents do or if they're maybe going to move away in six months, maybe they could be the best of friends for six months and, and continue that relationship. You know, I've been, we've been here at Woodby Island for almost 20 years. And so I'm really fortunate to have both my parents have actually migrated to the island to be around my kids. And I have been really fortunate to, to build friendships with people who both are local, not military families and some military families who have either retired here or some who have moved away, come back or that we just stay in touch with spouses or spouses. We, we have no rank. Um, we have no title. Uh, our kids have no rank. They have no title. It's just, we're just spouses and kids all trying to get through the same, uh, the same lifestyle. We are all in the same boat. We're not always rowing at the same speed, <laughs> but we are all in the yes. same boat. It, it is easy to when to be surrounded by the people who are maybe it's in your spouse's command. Um, and so they know what's happening because they left at the same time. They're coming back the same time. The kids are missing dad at the same time. I think just really being open to, to let people know about yourself and, and let your kids, you know, meet other kids and just be kids because, you know, in the end, someday the, the Navy or the military is not going to be everything yeah. about you. The service member is going to separate or retire from the Navy someday and your kids are still going to be your kids and your spouse is still going to be your spouse. And so you have to really work on that family unit because once the Navy is gone, you know, what are you left with? And, and that's your family and the relationships that you've built over the years. Uh, and so I think that's why it's really important to, to form those yeah. relationships. I mean, and what you talk about is really important, this idea of like inclusivity within the Navy life, right? So like, like, like you said, Kids are kids, spouses are spouses. We don't hold rank. We're not necessarily attached to that that squadron or that ship or that sub. You know, we are all who we are. Have you seen this concept of like inclusivity where we're all kind of in the same boat, albeit at different speeds, but have you seen that kind of change during your time as a Navy spouse or has it been pretty consistent throughout the 20 plus years you've been a spouse? Yes and no. In the military, there are, you know, I talked about such, such diversity, but there are some exclusive things, right? There are that, that maybe do have to, to do with the, the military members rank or their job, uh, you know, and what they do and, and what kind of, you know, secret clearance they may have. So, so there are different little kind of micro communities within the military community. And those, some of those are not inclusive. And I understand that. I understand the tradition behind it, the history behind it, the reason maybe um, for this or that. However, I have also seen many things come available that are open to everybody um, of, of all ranks, whether those are um, FRGs, uh, family readiness groups, or just like moms groups or book clubs. Like I said, those those community organizations or, or sometimes just within the military, people can, you know, you can, it doesn't matter because it's just a, it is a group just for spouses who hold no rank, or it's a play group where you take your kids and none of that matters. I have seen, I have seen those things uh, improve, yeah. I, I would say. Over time. That's great. And even where um, I'm based out in Mayport, Florida, and I even see the USO posting coffee connections 
fleet and family out here having deployment support groups. And it doesn't say for, you know, E something and below or O something and above. It's for everybody. I also think like what mm-hmm. you said too, it's it's sharing those opportunities. If it's, you know, sharing with your chief's um, spouse association, or if it's the chief petty officer association, you know, the wardroom spouse group, um, or out to the FRG, mm-hmm. it's like, we're all in this together. You know, if the ombudsman shares it with the command, these are resources for everybody. We're all in this together. And I think when people come and see that there are, you know, and nobody wears, so they're just like, we just see a sea of families and spouses that need support or are there to be friends with. I think that's, I think that kind of supports that idea too. Um, and that's wonderful to see that kind of like perpetuate and improve throughout time. And and something that I think is uh, a big improvement, and this this may be divisive <laughs> to somebody listening, but we say we say spouse. I'm a spouse. You're a spouse. That's that's the word that we use. But you know, as our our world is changing, a lot of people are choosing to be partners and not spouses. So we may have a couple who has children and who has been together for five or 10 or 15 years, um, but they're not, they're not married. And I have seen a shift where those people are being brought into the fold, those, those partners. Um, and sometimes it may be that it's not a partner or a, a romantic relationship that somebody has, but maybe somebody's sister has moved in to help, you know, take care of the kids or watch the house while they're on deployment. And those family members are, are being brought into the fold as well. We say spouses because that's what's really common, but military members have close family members or or these partners that absolutely should be included. They should not be excluded because they've chosen not to get married. You know, a long time ago, it would say, you know, well, if if they if he wanted her to get the information, he would have married her. The Navy itself is is more inclusive to what families look like. And I think that's something that that has improved to be able to bring those people into the fold. You know, you mentioned I work at Fleet and Family. We have a family employment service. So just because somebody's not married, as long as that service member is willing to bring their partner in, then they can absolutely receive services to help find a job or help with a resume. Because us helping the people that service members define as family helps that service member as well. So I think that inclusion has come a long way in those regards. Amazing. Um, you know, it makes me think of, you know, when I was a kid, the big shows were like Full House, where it was that unconventional family of the dad mm-hmm. and the uncles and the friend kind of raising these girls. And within Navy life, it has always been, and back then it was like so, so different. But like you said, in, in, in Navy life from then and today, it takes such a plethora of people to help support, you know, the active duty service member. Um, and I always thought, mm-hmm. um, I probably more realize this more later in my life than, than before. But, you know, my primary duty as a spouse is to make sure I take care of myself and take care of, of, of our family so that my, my husband in that, in my case, you know, feels that he is, that everything at home is safe and he can focus on his mission when he's gone. Um, and that is exactly what you're saying is that fleet and family or the communities that are here, whoever that family is to make sure that everything at home is safe. So when they're gone at sea or in the air or wherever, um, they can execute their mission. So I think that is so wonderful. And I didn't know that about fleet and family. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask my local fleet and family and see if they're able to provide services for other family members. Yeah. I think, I, I hope that more would do it. Like I said, I can only speak for, for mine, but um, yeah, I think that, I think that you'll find that, that many probably yeah. do. I also think, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this too, because you've worked with so many different families. Um, I am Asian American and I work. And I remember when I was a young spouse going to stuff, I felt like I was not, I didn't belong. 
Like I didn't see anybody that looked like me that lived the life that I had. My husband and I were actually, you know, long distance and even well after we were married because I stayed back to to work at my job and he was somewhere. So I'd fly sometimes in and I didn't feel welcome. Um, I have to say I do now. I also try to engender a, a creative community wherever I am to show that you are welcome, however you are, however you come, just like you said, meet everybody where they are and hopefully everybody will meet me where I am. But have you seen that kind of evolution too? And like the families that you meet, the families that you support or have I, or is it kind of like more in my head? Can we talk? Cause before we talked about making assumptions, I think I kind of in the beginning made an assumption. I made an assumption that people didn't want to invite me because of who I was, because I didn't look like them, not necessarily by color, but just by like lifestyle and choices. And that was probably my fault. But have you seen a difference or a change? Uh, yeah, I think so. Change takes time. It takes time and it takes longer for some than others. I, I think that sometimes, you know, I have to kudos to you for continuing and, and maybe going back. And even if you didn't feel welcome, because I think that sometimes people who have been around a little longer, it's, it's not always easy. And our first thought isn't how hard it was in the beginning. We may, sometimes people may think of, oh, I, you know, the difference in, you know, my husband and I have been together for more than 20 years. The difference in our communication when he's deployed, for example, is so different. Like in the beginning, we didn't, we didn't have email. We didn't have Wi-Fi on ships, <laughs> which I hear is a Wait, thing. Wait, I, I didn't know there was I've never experienced it, but I hear. No, I, I have a, a friend that got to FaceTime with her husband every day while he was on deployment or most days because, yeah, because of Wi-Fi. So, you know, somebody who's done this a really long time, like myself, could think, oh, my gosh, you have it so easy. You get to FaceTime every day um, instead of, you know, say, thinking, man, does that make it harder because you can see each other, but you still can't, you know, reach out and touch that person or they still, yeah, they can FaceTime and tell the kids they miss them, but they can't be at their soccer game. So I think that on both sides of, of that divide, if you will, um, people who have been around a while longer need to remember what it, what it's like at the beginning or what it felt like when they didn't feel included or, or didn't feel welcome and, and try to, you know, shift their behavior to welcome those new folks. And I think people who are new, if they have a bad experience, um, or, or don't feel that way, please try again with someone else. Because, you know, we don't all connect with every person. I'm open to talking to anybody, but not everybody's gonna, you know, like me, not everybody's gonna, I'm not gonna be best friends with everybody. And that's okay. I would hope that if somebody talked to me and just didn't, we just didn't click, they would still try to talk to somebody else um, to form a connection and and just just don't give up. If if you are new and you've talked to somebody and not felt welcome or not felt included, please try again with a different person and, and hopefully you'll, you know, make a better connection uh, or take what you've learned and reach out to somebody else that's new or newer than you and, and form that bond because uh, we need people to get through this lifestyle. We need people. So for sure, please try again. Yeah, we need each other too. I am so grateful for your kind of insight and suggestions for all of us to kind of be more inclusive within our own Navy community, making sure that we are able to adjust our sales to welcome 
people from all over, all different ages, different mindsets, but also to embrace, you know, people outside of our community so that they can come in and assist. And also we can reach out uh, and be a part of that community. And so inclusivity on all levels, inclusivity through grit. I mean, you are the epitome of that. And we're so grateful that you could share our story with us today. Are there any other, is there anything else you want to share about on the topic of inclusivity and resilience? No, I would just encourage people to, to be nice to each other. And, um, and try to form those connections because, you know, you, you never know what, what somebody's, what somebody's going through and, and somebody else may also be able to help you. So let's just be nice to each other and try to get through this, this lifestyle together. Wise words, wise words. Okay. Favorite command or duty station? Oh, that has to be the uh, world famous rocks of VAQ 137. Uh, my husband is stationed there right now for the third time and, um, he just re-enlisted a couple weeks ago for a, for a fourth tour there. So, you know, I have friends and have loved many people from lots of different commands, but you know, we were the rooks for the longest. So, uh, gotta be, gotta be the rooks. Love it. Uh, what are you binge watching and or reading these days? I'm reading Lisa Jewell's new book that I believe it's called None of This is True. Um, I'm like, in the middle of it. So things are getting really interesting. Uh, I love to read. I think my Goodreads, I've read like 110 books this year. So a lot of that is listening on Audible. So that counts. We watch a lot of hockey at our house, you know, still watching baseball, getting, getting to the World Series. But um, yeah, we, we've been watching a lot of hockey. Okay. I have to ask them, who are your baseball teams and hockey teams? Oh, those are, uh, those are tough questions. In fact, where I work, my supervisor, the first time we get anybody new, he needs to know who, who their baseball team is. Uh, I grew up my whole life as a Cardinals fan. I'm still a Cardinals fan. And then I've, I've lived in Washington for 20 years. So I do also love, love my Mariners. Um, and the Kraken, the Kraken are my hockey team. I grew up watching the Blues, but the Kraken are, those are my guys. That's awesome. And then actually, I didn't have this on our list of questions, but I want to know with your husband's reenlistment, you're going to be hitting over 30 years active duty in the Navy, right? Yes. Well, not he is. Yes. So he, uh, he is at 29 right now and he's reenlisted for four more. So yeah, it'll be 33 years, uh, at at the end. Okay. Um, and I know you've already given us such great advice about reaching out to each other, talking to each other, you know, be kind, but. What piece of advice, like silly, fun, random, you wish you knew before you entered this journey? What piece of advice do you have for a new or mid-career spouse? Gosh, I would say for a new spouse, it's perspective. But just don't don't sweat that small stuff. Um, and really communicate with your service member about, gosh, anything you can think of, especially before a deployment, you know? Yeah, just communicate as much as possible. I know sometimes either we or they, one person in the relationship doesn't enjoy that communication as much, but just ask those questions, anything you can think of, you know, who do I call if I get a flat tire? Uh, who do you, you know, who do you trust to come in the house if the water heater busts? What are the passwords to the credit card if you can't get online to pay it? Just all those things. So ask, ask, ask all the questions. And just be really proud of of your spouse and this community that you're a part of. For mid-career spouses, I would say, um, you know, just remember what it was like when we started out and see, you know, if there's somebody that you can help, whether it is 
somebody else who's been doing this a while and they're just doing something different and maybe could use your support or or somebody new. Yeah, use your resources because mid-career, we usually have a lot of resources and, and just share those with people. Annie, you are such a breath of fresh air. How lucky is our Navy family, especially those in Whidbey <laughs> Island, to have you there to help and support. And thank you for joining us today and sharing your amazing story and your expertise and your kindness and your empathy with you know all of the listeners of the podcast. We appreciate you sharing your journey and the story and how you've navigated this Navy life. And to our listeners, we hope you'll come back for more. Be sure to find us on social media to keep the conversation going and follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you next time. Bye. That concludes today's discussion. Thanks so much for joining us. To find more resources and ways to connect with your Navy community, visit our website at www.nsfamilyline.org. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. You can find the links in the show notes. For more episodes to help you navigate your journey through Navy life, be sure to subscribe, leave us a comment, and we will see you next time.